Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Sun Show. That's at The Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for Pit Sports content you won't want to miss. If you love wealthy alumni and hate that it's still somehow only April, this is the show for you. The Loyal Sun Show. A safe, sunshiny place for your Pit Athletics fix. Brought to you by our new sponsor, Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Today is Wednesday, April 20th, and the spring game happened, question mark. It did happen. We were very juiced up for it this year. It hasn't been a spring game in a full capacity in a while. Last year... Couldn't tailgate. Well, I wouldn't call this spring game a full capacity, if you know what I mean. What are, you, what are you, an attendance state fan? You watch your mouth when you talk to me like that. Those that were there enjoyed it, even though it hailed quite literally from the sky. Uh, kind of just sounds like a, a sign of things to come. That's a yeah. good omen. There was a lot of hailing. And uh, there were two touchdowns that were scored, so how about that? Yeah, both by Dan Carter, which was not really on my uh, spring game bingo card. Dan Carter scores touchdowns for both teams. Also not exactly on the bingo card. So we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it real quick. We, if we really wanted to get in the spring game, we would have put out an episode last week. But we didn't. For several reasons. I was in Mexico. Dylan was in Florida. It was boring. You know... Reasons. Spring games are pointless. And we have some pretty sweet guests lined up, and we thought that took priority to talking about uh, which backup lineman looked the best. Was it Ryan Jacoby? Uh, I feel like everyone on the O-line looked pretty terrible. Yeah, they did. They did. Well, was it was it the offensive line didn't look good because, you know, obviously these are not guys, they were in configurations that they had never been before. Or is it just that our defensive line is so deep it, it there's just no way to match up? I think it would be really cool if Charlie Partridge acted like a hockey coach and just had four lines of defensive linemen and like every other play he just like is yelling to like switch out and there's just a full four-man swamp. I think that'd be pretty sweet to see in action. They could probably do it. That was, could. That was the one takeaway that I actually had. Both teams starting defensive lines were absolutely sick. And there are 90% of the teams in the country would kill to have either of the starting four. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea at all. It was a defensive performance, uh, obviously only a 10-7 game. Uh, but we did get a chance to see uh, Keaton Slovis in that beautiful uh, blue and gold for the first time. What did we make of the quarterback competition from this uh, event? I don't think you can really take much from the spring game. Um, you know, obviously the offensive line, we had walk-ons on the O-line blocking for them. Uh, John Morgan simply going untouched every every play. Um, didn't give Keaton much to work with, didn't give Nick Patty much to work with. Uh, I mean, if you're going solely off the spring game, which I'm sure a bunch of fans will re- overreact and do, um, Nick Patty probably looked a little better uh, with, you know, with what he had in front of him. But, um, you know, all, all the signs and all the what we're hearing from spring camp is Keaton looks like the NFL guy, the guy with the big arm, the arm talent. Um, 
And Nick Patty is Nick Patty. You know, he's a pick guy. He's been gritty and battling for four years here. Um, so I'll tell you this. I feel really good about having two guys of that uh, at a level that I think both could lead Pitt to successful seasons. So uh, not, not too often that as a college team you have two guys that you're confident in. Not having the best receiver in the country uh, will also do that to you. Jordan Addison thought we might get a drive out of him, did not play at all. So, And I have no problem with that. No, he's he is the Ferrari on this team. But I I have been thinking a lot about the the quarterback battle, and I I think everyone, you know, thinks that Slovis is gonna run away with this. Um, and I know that Narduzzi is refusing to comment on who's QB one, which is probably smart at this juncture. Uh, but I, I feel a level of comfort, especially with the amount of talent on this team. I think Patty represents a relatively high floor. And, you know, if we want to compete the way that I think uh, people in Pittsburgh are starting to think that this team could compete next year, you know, you'd be in that college football playoff conversation at points during the season, they need Slovis to be very, very good. But even if, you know, the nightmare scenario occurs and he's not what he's cracked up to be, I, in any circumstance, I think a Nick Patty taking over and again, this is only the worst case scenario. Nick Patty taking over for this team, Slovis not being what we thought, it's still a nine win team. So we're in a very comfortable position in terms of quarterback play. I think Pitt fans are slowly realizing this. Uh, Pitt is going to be more talented than almost, if not every team that they play this year. This is across the board secondary, linebackers, D line, receivers, running backs. If you look at it on paper, they will be the more talented team. In the past, it's been more of a toss-up. Maybe we've been the underdogs. We need everybody to be on their A game to pull out a win. Uh, I think we're beyond that point now. I think yeah. we can be a little lackluster in spots and still pull it out. Yeah, I think the X factor is clearly quarterback play. Um, and what we get out of that quarterback spot, I mean, really will determine, you know, that's as far as we can go, um, how good the quarterback plays, but that's all levels of football at this point. That's the game of football. Um, but having all those weapons around, whoever that starting quarterback is, and having that defense on the other side, that can help win you games if, if the offense doesn't show. Um, you know, We just need competent play out of whoever that is, and I, I think we're going to get that regardless of who, who wins the job. I mean, this is definitely the most talented pit team of our lifetimes going into a season. Uh, I think you're both correct in... in your assessments, and you know who agrees with you? ESPN's Football Power Index, the FPI, which dropped last week, um, and it had Pitt as the number nine team in the country. Computers don't lie. Science is real. Math is real. I value that more than... You just lost half of our listenership <laughs> with that bullshit. I trust that more than some beat writer from Utah. Well, I, I thought it was funny. I saw some of the replies to like ESPN's tweet. It's just like uh, Pitt at nine. Like ESPN clearly trying to sell their opening night uh, game against West Virginia. And I'm like, I would love for one time for ESPN to just be selling Pitt. I, that has never happened. Oh, what got me was the it was a similar tweet about the FPI, and it said the rich keep getting richer, something <laughs> along those lines, talking about how the top four is the same. But if you 
looked down a little further than the top four pits right there. We're in that conversation. And I'm like, yep, the rich keep getting richer. You're talking about pit. That's, that's what's happening here. We're <laughs> I saw significantly more people here. taking issue with Auburn and Texas being included on that list, which I agree with. Although, some might argue that losing Bo Nix, who you kind of have to start for the story, if you're, you know, uh, the Auburn Tigers, uh, that might be addition by subtraction. But I do think those are two head scratchers to be in the FPI top ten. Yeah, I've, I honestly at this point have no clue how FPI works and how that's calculated. So how how we can I know there's like returning production, which we lead the country in. Which is ridiculous because we lost a Heisman finalist. Yeah, and then, I don't know, Pat, I mean, clearly not past performance. If Texas is Texas, and then they're like, I don't know how it's calculated. <laughs> it's efficiencies. I know that. I do not know how those metrics are provided. But does it take into account your schedule and how likely you are to win games? I believe I think it's, so. I believe it's all supposed to be... If teams met on a neutral field, who would be favored? Yeah. And it's all it's made to like create spreads for Vegas and whatnot. I actually like I don't like a lot of rankings and metrics, and I, it's probably if you haven't heard by now, you haven't been listening. Yeah, we don't, we don't like rankings. I kind of mess with FPI because FPI predicted that Pitt was going to be a nationally relevant team last year. You know, we were. We started out like four and one, and you know there was a lot of question marks surrounding that game uh, at Heinz Field that we don't talk about anymore, uh, but that we bring up every episode. And there was like you know a sense of like oh well Pitt's pitting again, and FPI still had them in like the top sixteen. Yeah, pretty good. And we ended up finishing right around where FPI had us the entire season, and and you know they they were all they did the same thing with Clemson, you know kept them in the top fifteen even after they lost a couple times, even after it was clear that they were not the typical Clemson Tigers, and they ended up finishing in the top 16 and being a lot better than I think people gave them credit for. So it's, I think it operates without bias, and, uh, you know, it, and they've been favorable towards Pitt the last one year that I've paid attention to the FPI, and those are really the two factors um, that mattered to me in a poll. Yeah, so actually does uh, factor in the team schedule. So, uh, football power index is a measure of team strength that is meant to be the best predictor of a team's performance going forward for the rest of the season. FPI represents how many points above or below average a team is. Projected results are based on 20,000 simulations of the rest, rest of the season using FPI, results to date, and the remaining schedule. So basically it's computer simulations. Uh, playing out, you know, what the rest of the season will look like. So, so they basically play NCAA football with updated rosters 20,000 times. Correct. Okay. That sounds like a great job. Yeah. I... So let me just run through some of the prediction projections just because we're looking at it here. Uh, it gives percentages on, like, teams' chance to, like, win out, win six games, win division, blah, blah, blah. So winning out gives us a 1.4% chance of winning out, going undefeated. Sure. 99.8% chance to win six games. I'm pretty sure a year ago the Vegas over-under on pit was six and a half or seven oh. and a half before last season. The disrespect. Win the division. Win the Coastal. 44.8%. And that is, out of all the teams in the country, um, puts Pitt at like the eighth or ninth, uh, probably around the same spot to win the division. Um, 
to win their respective to division. win their respective yeah. division. Uh, win the conference, fifteen point eight percent. Go to the playoff. This is a big one. Ten point two percent. That's not insignificant. One in ten. One out of ten seasons uh, running with this team. I would take that. Make the national championship game two and a half percent and win the national championship 0.7 percent. Obviously drops off a little at the end, but the playoff one's the one that jumps out at you. Well, so, and and Dylan, you can verify this because you have the numbers ahead of us. A lot of that is also predicated on the fact, you know, our, our numbers possibly being lower than they could be on the model believing that Clemson is going to essentially return to what it was every year before last year. Correct. It has right now it has Clemson with a fifty nine percent chance to make the playoff. So the top four are like the the four you would assume Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and then Clemson. So they kind of just assuming Clemson's gonna return to what they were, you know, before last year. And if Pyle Uyunglele plays uh, like a pile again. That right. believe it or not, he played actually. terrible in the spring game. Wow, weird. He was like fifteen for thirty six. That is with an, an interception. Absurd number of passes to make your starter throw in the spring game. Yeah, I didn't, that is not good. I didn't dive in yet, but I'm very curious to watch because their new uh, fancy five star incoming freshman played noticeably better than him statistically. So I think over under. Three weeks, we'll see him get mixed in. Yeah, so he was 17 of 36 for 175 and an t- interception in the spring game for Clemson. I'm just Christ. cracking up at D- Dabo's like game plan going in. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna we're gonna get the fans behind us for this season. DJ's gonna look great, and then all he did was spark all the conversation about. You got no one he, wants him to start. Protect your year. dude there. You gotta quit putting him through that. He's not finishing the season starting. There's no way. We'll beat whoever in Charlotte and go from there. But a uh, quick final note on the FPI, and you can only talk about uh, computer-generated efficiency-based rankings for so long. Um, but I, I know something is different in the air in Pittsburgh because those dropped on, I think, th- between Wednesday and Friday. And uh, we went out to one of our favorite watering holes that Friday night. Shout out, Walters. Uh, and... Dylan and I spoke to multiple people, just random people, who were talking about Pitt's top 10 ranking going into the year. Yes, they incorrectly associated it with, like, a a pollster ranking, like an official ranking, which I am fine with. But people were talking about Pitt football at a bar on a nice night in April in Lawrenceville, the old hipster neighborhood. Yeah, I, I saw one guy wearing a pit polo, or just gave him a hail to pit, and all he responded was number nine. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, Keaton Slovis. He's like, no, like number nine in the country. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. And then no more than 30 seconds later, I ran into one of, one of our tailgating friends, uh, just, hey Dylan, what's up? Number nine in the country. I'm like, y- yeah, the city's about, buzzing. How about that? Getting people buzzing. You're going to hear uh, Chris Bickle in a couple minutes, and he mentions it a few times. He he understands the importance of... Uh, you can't get that much money without understanding math or whatever. Um, so, you know, he has a great appreciation for it. Uh, and, you know, it's just cool to see a little bit of electricity in the city for our Panthers. Love to see it. 
Hail to Pitt in April. But uh, let's get over to our interview with Chris Bickle. It was a good one. You're going to like what he has to say. Yeah, so before we get into talking to uh, Chris Bickle and Pat Bostick today, we were going to do uh, NIL deals. We are going to pitch them to Chris, like Shark Tank style, but uh, ultimately we bitched out. So here's a couple of the ones we had just off the top of our heads. First, Habadook Baldonado. Is that how you say it? Uh, Antunes, bring back the $5 pizza anytime Haba gets a sack. I know for the longest time in Oakland you go like midnight to 3 a.m. That's where you go get a $5 pizza. I'm pretty sure inflation's driven up to like eight or nine bucks nowadays. What? Yeah, it's absolutely it's ridiculous. Sad. Heartbreaking. But any day he gets a sack, come back to Antunes that night, $5 pizza. So every week? Every week, yeah. <laughs> so every Saturday night you'll be getting a $5 pizza from Antunes. Like it should be. Like God intended. I was going to suggest that they uh, they hook Jordan Addison up with Allstate... Um, because you're in good hands when you throw the ball to Jordan Addison. Uh, that one kind of felt like a no-brainer. Uh, I don't know how interested Jordan would be in, you know, shelling insurance. Jordan from State Farm? No. That doesn't work with the yeah. slogan squid, but... Well, stick with the receivers, good hands. Jared Wayne, stick them, Gorilla Glue... He's always catching the ball with his hand. It's like some vice grip or like pliers company. Yeah, yeah. He's just it's too easy for him. He's got to have something on those gloves. We could also do wounded warrior for Jared Wayne because he's such a soldier. Yeah, or we could just do like the the armed forces like commercials. They just you know throw on your TV in between the game. U.S. Army, the few, or the few, the proud, the Marines. It's just Jared Wayne there saluting you. Uh, he's braver than the troops. I was a big fan of uh, Israel Vonaconda and uh, Howard Hanna or any other real estate company. They can just have some nice uh, marketing campaign around Izzy's Hizzy's. Izzy to the Hizzy. Yeah. Izzy to the Hizzy. So I really wanted to recommend to Chris that he set Servasio Dennis up with like a urologist's office or anyone that would like perform vasectomies because if you want someone to drop their nuts right... Cervasier Dennis. Or something less graphic, like Planters Peanuts would also do the job, but you're thinking outside the box, and I respect that. Thank you. Yeah, I can see it now, like just holding holding a glass of peanuts, just like, oh no, I dropped my nuts. Yeah. Point, points to Cervasier, just giving a smile. <laughs> uh, Owen Drexel, Postal Service, the airmail, so many snaps. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'll clean that one up. Okay, okay. That one up. Uh, <laughs> Theo Horton, Squid, you got this one. Yeah, I mean, he had some issues uh, with his car, so we thought, why not the Pittsburgh Parking Authority? Or they any can uh, join forces now that it's all behind them. And it, like, sell side Make a tow. few bucks. <laughs> I know there's some towing companies down there. They get along. Um, yeah, maybe it's don't... for the best we didn't bring these up to Chris. What about, uh, like, Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman just... A, a lifelong deal with the Pitt basketball team. Any, any, any run-ins with the law they have for, for the rest of the time. For the rest they of got the their backs. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to post one of those weird little twins on each end of Carson Street, and they're just going to be there ready for the first Pitt athlete to get into a fist fight or throw a kid through a glass window. 
yeah, you know what? This was probably for the best that so we uh, kept these away from Chris. Yeah, the interview would have ended pretty quickly. All right, now time for Chris. Please welcome to the Chris Bickle 97 Loyal Sun Show, Pitt super donor and super fan, Chris Bickle. Chris, how do you like the ring of that, the Chris Bickle 97 Loyal Sun Show? <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's cool. I've gotten used to the whole uh, questioning around the, the coach. Uh, was this your idea? Did you come up with this? And then I've read in articles that I'm an egomaniac and um, I had to have that, uh, the coaching title uh, for me to give $20 million. And it's just, it's, it's not true. So it's this fun. I do it all in fun. And I actually like the, like the, uh, the ring you give it. Well, I mean, for a lot less than $20 million, you could have the naming rights to the loyal. So we'd settle for like a $25 Chipotle gift card. Think about you it. it Just think about no. it. All right. <laughs> you think it's a coincidence, though, that uh, the team had its best year in decades, the year that you decided to sponsor the head coaching position? So that was one of the funniest uh, little happy hours we had uh, prior to the announcement was just like, oh my God, what if, what if, you know, what if we go out and just dominate and go to the, to the playoffs? And then my friend said, well, what if we go, you know, five and six? And I said, that's not happening. I knew a lot about the program. I've known a lot about what's going on with, um, uh, you know, with the team and coach Narduzzi and the staff and, and the players and the recruiting. I, I keep up with a lot of it um, on the inner circle. So I was very confident uh, with this team um, just, you know, past just conversations with, with coach Narduzzi is just getting to know the program more intimately and what these coaches and players and staff actually do day to day, uh, week to week and month to month when the cameras aren't on. Um, I knew it was just a matter of time. You know, one of these players all, all over the field against Clemson, et cetera. So, you know, it didn't surprise me, but I was really, really happy that things work out the way they did. So it looked very good on, on my behalf. Yeah, Chris, obviously you're a huge fan, follow the program very closely. Um, but when you were at Pitt, you know, graduating in 97, that wasn't exactly the golden era of Pitt football. What did they do to get in your such your good graces and uh, want, make you want to be such a part of the program and contribute to their success? Well, just, uh, you know, post graduation going through the years of, of the gradual progression of the program and we, we were terrible when I was there I mean I, I knew some of the players they were they were they were good players um, but it was just that back to the future era and I uh, just you know I don't I don't even like to think about it anymore but you know we lost that game <laughs> uh, we had some wins but it was just it was obviously more bad than good and um, and so when I graduated moved on in my professional life I really started getting into it when uh, I really, that team, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with Bostic and, uh, you know, Doran Dickerson, Bill Stoll, um, you know, Nate Byam, like that, that crew, especially when they were recruited, uh, is when I started really following uh, the program and really felt that the, the change, the winds of change were coming under, under Coach Wanstead. Is it, you know, why, right? I was asking myself this question all the time. Why can't we be great? Why does Penn State have to dominate the recruiting? And I get it, you know, Beaver Stadium, Happy Valley, it's a great place to party. It's a great school. Half of my friends from high school went there. So I, I wasn't really a, a hater necessarily of Penn State, but I was more, you know, intrigued on why the University of Pittsburgh can't have that same success. And that, that really just 
went through the years in my mind. And as we got a little better and a little better, um, you know, I was working my, my tail off in business and, and trying to figure out, you know, the, the, the best ways that, that, that I could grow a, a company to be a billion dollar company. And, um, you know, I almost got there uh, literally. And so when I sold the company, it just felt like this was my time to, to put it out there to say someone has to be the catalyst um, from the financial perspective. I mean, there's a lot of fans and you guys know, right? You're, you're fans. You guys are great fans. And uh, and Pitt has a lot of loyalty out there from the, you know, from the fan base, you know, younger and older, but honestly, to run a, a business that's going to have repeatable success, uh, you need that financial backing. And if you don't have that, you're going to have seasons that are sporadic success like we had last year or whatever. And that that just comes in different, you know, flavors, right? To, to maintain the the relationships with Coach Narduzzi, um, you know, and his staff, you, you've got to have money. Right. And, and then moving to the ACC certainly helped and having Heather Lake and, and those folks on board with the program. I mean, that's all super important. But at the, at the end of the day, um, you know, you need I felt like that we needed someone to step up and, and really step up this time and say, hey, it's not just the 20 million. Now we're doing this Alliance 412 NIL uh, company to, to, to help the players. Um, and how can we. Uh, provide that outreach and just again be a trailblazer in a way that gets pit football and other sports of pit you know back on the you know where they should be at the top and i'm a firm believer you saw the espn number nine in the country uh, that's no fluke those guys do their homework right and 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 they see it um we should have beaten the you know what out of michigan state in that game and and the michigan state people all know it it just came down to you know like we we're just talking about before circumstance right and and the bowl game and, and kenny not playing then Nick getting hurt and man, uh, Nick Patty stays in that game. Uh, you know, we're, we're not, we're, maybe we're number six in the country. So it's just uh, funny how things pan out, but really answer your question. Long, that's a long winded answer, but it's just, Hey man, I, I want to do my part. And if I'm able to do it, I want to show people that if you have that capability, you have that capacity to, to help in any way, there is no reason why this university can't be at the top. Like we were um, in the seventies and eighties and, and you know, be in the fight for the national title. So even before uh, the the launching of Alliance 412, which we'll get into in a second, did you feel that uh, your donation had acted as a catalyst? You know, but between then and now, have you seen uh, more alumni step up to the plate and contribute to the uh, to the organization? Yeah, I think they had their the record high. Uh, of donations um, this last year, which which is really cool, great to see. I mean, winning helps, right? I mean, winning helps a little all bit, that. Yeah. Uh, but I like to think that that my donation, you know, and and just the way it came out, um, you know, helped helped spearhead spearhead that. But you know, I think that honestly, the the way the the way the things are going with the team, uh, the coaching, um, just the school in general, just it's almost impossible to get into pit these days. So it's like, I wear this badge of honor around that I'm, a, I'm the pit guy and, and my son plays ice hockey and I always wear my pit stuff. Now people know I'm this guy who did this thing with pit football. So everyone around the Westchester, Malvern area, say everyone, my friends are, everyone's just so tuned in to what's happening at Pitt. And honestly, it's just changed the perception um, past being a great institution, you know, of, of schooling an academic institution there. Everyone's taking the pit brand super serious now. You know, you see it, you see it in the rankings. So it's, it's really cool, but I will tell you, the day I came out to Pitt, this is actually, I think it's a funny little story. I was, I was on the cell phone the entire time. I flew out from, from Malvern, got there at, uh, you know, about 8.45. Pat Bostick was picking me up at the Allegheny Airport. And I was on the phone with my other business. I'm the CEO of a software company. And, 
really was thinking nothing of this, just thinking, oh, this is a contained Pittsburgh story. Um, you know, Bostick and those guys were telling me, hey, this is going to be a big news. You know, we have the outlets, et cetera. I just, I don't know, for some reason, wasn't thinking about it. And we get in the car and it's nine o'clock or whatever time it was. And the, the, the Twitter happens and all these things start going viral. And I'm just like, oh my God, like what just happened? And I'm getting text messages from my, all my friends, one in South Carolina, Florida, New York, California saying, dude, what did what is going on? Because I didn't tell anyone what I was doing. Uh, I just was like, this is just going to be one of those things. And boy, was I wrong. This became a national story. And I am a very private person. And so to come out and be this type of person instead, I gave $20 million and then start an NIL thing. It's just not who I am. Um, but again, back to your original question, I felt like I had to do that. Um, and it was an important piece of the puzzle. But uh, I'm just, I, I was kind of embarrassed. I just didn't want to be in the spotlight and to take anything away from, you know, what the team and the players and the, and the coaches really do day to day because they're the ones that deserve any credit if, if credit is due. So, um, but yeah, it was a bizarre day. And then getting there and going through the process, getting on the radio, I'm just like, oh my God, this is not what I do. But, but uh, I was happy to do it. You know, obviously a good story for the program. Um, for the athletic department, um, and then hook my name with Narduzzi. Narduzzi and I are, good, are friends. We're good buddies, and um, he's just such a quality guy. Uh, just to have that, have that rapport with him, and now the title. Um, it's just, it's just an amazing feeling. So I love it. Well, I know when when that was announced. Um, you know, obviously we have a big group chat with a bunch of Pitt fans, a bunch of our buddies who are diehard Pitt fans. And when that got submitted, it was like we didn't really know what a twenty million dollar donation to Pitt football meant. But we knew it was important and we knew it meant something. And to see that come out, I think, you know, shortly after we had a group of, you know, probably a dozen guys uh, punch uh, punch in their purchase for season tickets. So, I mean, I know even in that regard, even that's a smaller scale, uh, got, got a lot of people excited and ready to spend a little money of their own. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, one of the other things that's just come to my mind is that it, when you ask, like, why, like the timing and all these things worked out. And it is just it's such an incredible story because. I have Penn State friends that, you know, going back 10 years, friends of my father's who are big Penn State boosters would say to my, my father all the time, hey, Pitt is small time. They're never going to make it in the big time again. And I would hear this over and over. And I would, and I just, you know, I stored it, right? And my, I just stored it right here. I bookmarked it and said, you guys wait. And one of my first text messages was from one of those guys who just said, wow, congratulations, man. You guys are hitting the big time. And I, that felt that was rewarding. But I just said, you know, I wish we played you guys this year. But whatever. They lucked out. I love that. They lucked out. Let's be real. They <laughs> lucked out this year. I remember this is probably shortly after Pat Narduzzi took the job. He mentioned uh, that Pitt was closer to a national championship than a lot of people thought. And I think at the time, most of the, the national media, and even a lot of the local media probably thought that just coach speak. He's just blowing air there's no way Pitt will win a national championship and whenever NIL comes out people say the talent gap will get even bigger the Alabamas the Texases the USC's will continue to get those guys uh was that kind of the the tipping point for uh you getting involved with the program and as we'll get into now Alliance 412 yeah um having several meetings with with coach Narduzzi uh you know even going back a couple of years uh maybe more i was just uh, i get i'd given money through the years this wasn't my my first time uh, supporting the program and um even put the paper the beam on top of the cathedral and just trying to find you know ways to help right little things we have the largest academic building in the country if 
not the world, right? I mean, why don't we use this thing? And um, Bostic and the, and the Chancellor and those guys were really racking their brains and came up with something really cool, which is, you know, now the blue, the victory light, which is insanely awesome, right? And um, yeah, so cool. Yeah. So it was like, I was doing things like that, but, but to be honest, you know, this NIL thing came up and, and I was, in, I live in down in, at the home of Florida and uh, you know, just a lot of high profile sports people down there. And, and I was talking to, to, to this one person in particular about what I was about to do. And I'm like, you know, he's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like it's just like, someone's got to do this again. And someone's got to be the trailblazer. There's, there's people, there's PGT trucking. These guys would get, like every just massive amounts of of support and money and help to the program and maybe there's just a way we could bring all these you know entities together um to do what's right for for the student athlete here and and to make us you know competitive in a way that you know like you said are we going to be able to compete on yellow against alabama ohio state penn state michigan um the answer is yes i have a lot going on we have a lot going on right now um uh, you know, not getting into details, but there is a lot of, of moving parts right now with uh, with people that are a under contract, b coming under contract, uh, folks that uh, you know it, it's it's really it's been it's been a really cool couple weeks here, uh, maybe two two and a half weeks of of, of just out outreach. Um, you know, we have the money, the capital, the investment, and now the partners behind it all to make it happen. So some high profile people that didn't want to be named here um, yet, because we're just forming a lot of this stuff. But uh, it's real. It's legit. And I think we're going to turn some major heads here in the next, you know, three, you know, three months or so. Sounds like some really cool stuff in the chat. You're always welcome to uh, break news here now with us. Guys, I want to, I want to so badly, man. I'm sorry, but I, I've got promises out there that I wouldn't, but I, I really would like to because there's some really cool stuff about to happen. Um, and it's, it's just true, man. If you guys get into the, go to the facility and spend an afternoon with Coach Narduzzi and uh, Partridge and all those guys, you walk away and you're like, my God, like I want, I want to be a part of that. Like I want to be a part of that program. I really like what this guy's doing. I'd love a helmet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's like, from what I've heard from players, it's, it's, it's a unique, it's a unique experience when you walk away from the South side and, and from the campus uh, here, we have a super high close ratio for guys that uh, for, for uh, players that come in and visit. Um, that's something to pay attention to for who's going to be on campus in June. Gets us really excited for the year, but uh, let's let's get a little bit into the weeds on Alliance Bowling too. So uh, everyone's heard about it, um, but I I wanted to get a, a little bit of a better understanding for uh, for our listeners. So this is all about connecting student athletes uh, with sponsorship opportunities. Correct? Like we we couldn't give you twenty dollars and it find a way to you know an NIL deal. This is about corporate partnerships. Correct? Yeah, it's about corporate partnerships. It's also, um, you know, giving an athlete the opportunity to get out and uh, and work with some, you know, high pro- high profile Pittsburgh corporations that want to affiliate their names with, uh, you know, a Jordan or Jordan Addison or some of the, you know, more high profile players and and just players that fit the brand of, of Alliance Four One Two, which is, you know, I always tell these guys, do things right, man. You go through life, you know, timing takes care of itself. People say you're lucky. There is no such thing as luck as far as I'm concerned. You make your own luck. You put yourself in these positions. You build relationships and you just do, you do things right. And, and this is a part of it. Learning how the culture is in, in corporate America. Uh, um, you know, you got to show up and do your job every day. Uh, there is no, there is no, 
you know, there's no day off. So when you say you're going to do something for, you know, five, uh, five opportunities with a, uh, you know, huge corporate sponsor, you're going to be there. And uh, every day you're going to show up and you're going to work hard. And I, I'm astonished at the level of commitment from the players on this team. And it really, I, I tell you, it just echoes what this coaching staff is all about, who these kids are. Um, and I, a lot of them, I just, they're young men. They, they are definitely young men. And, and the way they approach the NIL and the business opportunities to, to have like a connection out into a an amazing company in the Pittsburgh area. Like these guys are really into that. Like, what can I do? What can I learn? Um, and so that's really uh, in, in my mind, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the brand and what we're about with, um, with Alliance for one, two. Yeah, but if, if there's individuals out there that want to give a million dollars, um, I'm, I'm all, I'm here. Uh, you can have my cell phone anytime. I thought, I thought it was really cool that, um, you know, the first, the first partnership that was announced was a collage of Kansas with the Northside food pantry. Um, we saw a little bit with Kenny last year with, you know, the, the boys and girls club, um, Jordan with the tickets for kids. I, I really do love seeing the, the pit men, you know, going back into the Pittsburgh communities and contributing. Is that, is that a big emphasis for Alliance 412 is, you know, just going back into the community and giving back. It is. And when you talk to Kalijah, you know, and I had a chance to get together with him this last, uh, the weekend of the game, and sit, sit down and talk to them. Like it's that's what Alliance Four One Two is about. It's like what's important to the players, right? Because we're about individualizing their their brand, right? Like what do you want to market about yourself? Like I don't want to force feed someone to go speak on behalf of a huge corporation if it has zero interest in them. I mean, yeah, there's room for that. But what really drives these guys? And Kalijah in particular was talking about just that food bank and the things in Miami that he's been a part of and the things that he's seen day to day, you know, growing up and how man, this is a great opportunity to give back to the community that, you know, that is supporting him and the other players on the team. So yeah, these guys are, are really interested in the community, man, the community. And that's really Alliance 412. It's about the Pittsburgh community and, and giving back and, and finding ways to connect the athletes into that, that community of giving. I think that's really important because I think one thing that it's kind of slept on is obviously we don't have the alumni base of a Penn state, Ohio state, the size there, but there is a lot of rabid sports fans in this city and Pitt like kind of solidifying themselves as the college football team of the city. You know, maybe we, we have a little bit of rebuild here for the Steelers coming up, you know, a little more interest in going down to the North shore for a game on a Saturday instead of a Sunday. Um, I think that's huge. Just, just making those faces more, more known uh, within just the entire city. Oh, totally. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've learned, by the way, just to get, respond to what you just said, is that that's true about these big schools, right? They have a, a larger alumni base. But what I've learned over the past 10 years or so is that the Pitt alumni base has some really, like, very high-profile people that have come out of the Pittsburgh area or from Oakland in general and are in leadership positions in, in corporate America. I mean, the first company that bought my company, the, the chief operating officer, is a public company. Uh, engineering company, the COO of the business was a pick rat in the eighties. And we, I mean, we hit it off like that, right? Um, we just talked about football and his experiences. And, you know, first thing he did at the Chicago Hilton was invite me over to get a martini with him to talk football. And I'm wearing negotiations for, so we're doing a deal. So it's like, it's so funny when you meet a pick rat uh, and you meet an alumni, uh, it's, it's the, you just get the, the hail the pit thing. And it's just like, Oh my God, what's up? When'd you graduate? Where'd you live on campus? Well, I lived on North Craig Street. I'm like, what? I live in South Oakland. And it's just, it's such a cool experience, such a great conversation. Um, and now that we're winning, right? Like you just said, the opportunity is there now to become the, 
the, the brand uh, for college football in all Pittsburgh. So name, image, and likeness is new and it's evolving every day. Nobody knows where it's growing next. Where do you think it's growing next? What are we going to do here at Pitt? And how do you see that evolving in the landscape of college sports? Well, that's, that's a question. That's a, that's a question everyone's asking. Um, every time I go out and, and tell people what we're doing, the, the first question is, you know, is this, is this a race to the bottom? Like what, what, what is college sports company becoming? And um, you know, what, where, where are we going next? And almost like in a negative way. And, uh, and you see these deals out there for these high school athletes to take a million dollars and they haven't even graduated just on campus yet. Right. And I can tell you right now, that is not what we're about. Right. We want to be a responsible uh, company when in regards to name, image, and likeness. So I think that's what the parents of the student athletes want, right? They don't want something given to the, to, to their, to their, uh, sons or daughters. It's like, they want these people to come in and or they want, they want people like myself to have honor and, and commitment to their, to their children. It's like, you're leaving your child out, you know, in the wilderness at the university of Pittsburgh, um, as a freshman, I mean, you guys remember I was a freshman. It was a, it was an eerie feeling when your parents left. And I was like walking around CJs and Zeldas and not knowing where the heck I even was and didn't have one friend. And so, you know, that to have that corporate culture slash company feel of just commitment and loyalty. And like I said, having ethics about your business and being commitment committed to the pit brand and what we stand for. Um, that's, that's kind of, that's where we're starting. And I don't think we're going to, where I know we're not going to branch off from that. What I think is going to happen at Pitt is I think that the, the unique exposure we have into the corporate culture of Pittsburgh, especially when we have a big season this year, um, I think it's going to take off. I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing superstars born every year. Kalaja Kansi is a star. Brandon Hills, the next, uh, Baldonado. I could go down the list of these guys that, I mean, the new guy, Monfield. I mean, the people that have, have called us about, about him and Jared Wing and all these guys saying, you realize the talent level that's on this football field? Um, so I think a couple more winning seasons, uh, maybe an ACC title or, or beyond, it's, it's going to explode. And if, if that doesn't happen for some reason, it's just sports. It's just business. One inch left, you don't win. One inch right, you win. And the average person watching on TV doesn't understand these types of things, but that will never affect that name image likeness company that we have. We are committed to this thing. We are committed to bringing in a championship to Pittsburgh. When I say championship, that's up to the coaches. What I mean by that is this, we're, we're going to do our part. You know, Chris Bickles, my crew, we are just going to do whatever we can to help, you know, pit football and pit sports grow in, in any way that's, uh, that's possible. Well, Chris, we, we can't thank you enough for, uh, for your time and helping us understand uh, Alliance 412 and, and the direction of uh, pit football. But we did have uh, one more question for you. Uh, we, need a, we need a record prediction for next year. We ask a lot of our, our guests what they're thinking with such a high-powered offense mostly returning. Our almost entire defensive two deep outside of Damari Mathis and a few linebackers. What is your outlook for the 2022 season? Um, I think I think that we go two and zero. I think we 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 take West Virginia, Tennessee out, and uh, you'll see that nine ranking go in top five. And I think the players from there have to maintain that level of commitment because I think I think the playoffs are legit. I think you know in a season like we we're going to have maybe a loss, maybe a loss, um, but 
I think it's I, I think it's final four for this year. Wow. We're in the same boat there. Just so you know. Uh, a rainy day in April. <laughs> yeah. Football. Yeah. I asked the players that question. Uh, just joking around, like, hey, what do you guys think? So I can just tell you this, the the level of uh, of their commitment to that is uh, it's through the roof. I mean, these guys are believers. They come to work every day knowing that they're, you know, their final form material and they want a shot at that. So they know that, you know, every day it's about inches. Pat Narduzzi speaks about inches every day. And you, do, you come into work, you do your job, you lift the weights, coach them up, learn the playbook. Saturdays take care of themselves. You heard it here first. Pitt Panthers, college football playoff. We love it. Thank you to Chris Bickle for joining us and for all of his efforts in making Pitt the national powerhouse that we all hoped and prayed and wished it could be. Chris, thank you. Hope you enjoy your afternoon. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for everything you guys do, by the way. I mean, you're, 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 I love what you guys do. And I love what you stand for. So hail to Pitt. Hail to Pitt. Please welcome on to the show, former Pitt quarterback and current senior associate athletic director, Pat Bostic. Pat, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. So for those uh, uninitiated Pitt fans that are not super aware of your comings and goings since the 13-9 game against West Virginia 2 today, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your role with the Pitt Athletic Department, uh, as well as any other projects that you are working on, such as your work with uh, DVE? Yeah, so absolutely. I um, you know, graduated in 2011, 10 really, too. I, I had two graduations because... I took advantage of the, uh, the summer sessions during college. So I got two degrees during my time as a player. Uh, and immediately uh, I could thank EJ Borghetti, who I know you guys have had on for throwing me on the radio. And I've, I've been doing the color uh, color analysis for the uh, pit broadcasts for 10 years now with Bill Hillgrove. So calling the games, which I've, I'm blessed to do and I love to do. And I've also been in the athletic department um, for that same 10 year period. Started off, uh, actually as a graduate assistant for EJ and then moved into development, which is what I'm doing now. Uh, didn't know much about it when I got into it, but um, now I oversee our, our major gift fundraising team. Um, it's a team of five and uh, we are um, actively engaging with alumni, fans, friends of the university um, that have philanthropic interest in, in uh, ex- you know, the experience our student athletes have and the success they have both on and off the field. So it's a very fulfilling role for me. You know, Pitt changed my life uh, as a student athlete, and now I get to have an indirect impact um, by allowing, like, allowing those you know, contributors to, to, you know, benefit the student athletes of today. So, how quickly after uh, the 13-9 game did you realize that you had employment for life? <laughs> well, I don't know. Employment for life, you know, was it took me a couple of years to figure that out, but um, <laughs> I knew that that was gonna that was going to, let's say, travel with me um, the rest of my life. And, um, you know, I, I you know, as a freshman from Central PA, you know, my my knowledge of Pitt was Larry Fitzgerald and Rod Rutherford. And, uh, you know, but I grew up in Penn State country. Um, and, you know, that was always the school that I grew to hate, uh, even before I came to Pitt. Still don't like them very much. But um, I, um, 
the West Virginia rivalry was new to me. And it didn't take but a couple of days that week to realize how important that rivalry is to alumni and former players and how much it means throughout, you know, the 364 day, days of the remainder of the year. Um, that one it will last a lifetime. That was without question, West Virginia's best team. And uh, we, we, it was not our best team, yeah, but we played our <laughs> best game in a long time. And, uh, you know, to be the quarterback for that game and to score the only touchdown in that game, I, you know, I do believe in fate and, and that has led me to, to, to where I am today and to care so much about, about Pitt and Pitt football and our university. And we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, your role with the athletic department right now, but just kind of touching base on that backyard brawl, West Virginia rivalry. How important do you think it is to this program and this fan base to have that game back for a few years? And then they just extended it, um, added four more games as well. How, how important is that? I, I think it's critical. I mean, I, you, you look at the landscape of college football uh, and it's right. Like the SEC is dominant and in uh, both competitively and financially and, a lot of it has to do with, you know, the stadiums they have, the TV deals they have, all the things that you know, drive the economics to college football. But regional rivalries can can be an equalizer, I believe. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, a probably, you know, in a, in a minority thinking that we should play West Virginia and Penn State annually. Um, I'm with you. I'd, I'd love to play Absolutely. both those games. And I think they mean a lot to um, – they mean a lot to the region. They mean a lot to both institutions. Uh, but more than anything, they mean, mean a lot to this area, Western Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania. Um, they educate, um, yeah, I think, and ingrain um, the importance of football in, in this region, in the state, um, to young kids that even if they don't play, they grow up having a rooting interest in those games. And it, now there's, what, 10 years of, of, you know, Pitt students now or West Virginia students now that haven't experienced the a Pitt West Virginia game. And there's been countless decades of fans that haven't experienced a Pitt Penn state game. And, you know, I think those are things you look forward to. Those are friends you go home on Christmas break and spring break and brag to. And, um, and again, more than anything, I think those are the games that certainly merit a huge crowd and merit you know, a national TV audience. And um, they just carry a lot of weight. They do a lot economically for the region as well. So I think it's big on all levels and I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of it. And, and thrilled that Heather got it done. Yeah, the the um, the history of college football is very heavily ingrained in in locality. You know, the first game ever was between new two New Jersey schools, and, and ever since then, the game has grown locally. Do you have any concerns that uh, we might be getting away from you know the tradition and history of college football as things become more nationalized, as you know conferences become more about? poaching larger programs than they are about maintaining local rivalry. Do you think there's something that we're losing uh, as college football goes in that direction? I think there's a threat of it. I think, you know, the, the business of college athletics is changing seemingly daily. I mean, you look at NIL, you look at television rights and contracts and um, you know, you look at, I mean, we talked about West Virginia, look at the, they're in the big 12 I mean, they're closest away games in Ames, Iowa. Um, that, that's a, that's a hike. And, you know, it's, a so I think, right. You know, we're very fortunate at Pitt to be in the ACC. It's a conference that fits us very well. Certainly Penn state's been in the big 10 for a long time, but I do believe that, you know, region locality is critical. Um, you know, and as the, the, you have this alliance between the, the PAC 12, the ACC and the big 10 to, to kind of commingle with regard to scheduling. Uh, I would hope that that regional influence would be, um, a big 
factor in what games make sense. Uh, certainly, it'd be great to go out to LA and play UCLA if, if that was scheduled. I think our fans would love that trip. But you know, they, they also you know the affordability of of playing a game at Maryland or playing Rutgers or playing you know West Virginia, Penn State, uh, whether it's regular or semi regular, uh, it makes sense um, uh, because again, I mean, each each institution has its own um, you know economics and finances that it's important that that a you maintain the integrity of what you're doing and B you make it affordable for your fans to come enjoy watching play at both home and away mm -hmm. venues. Um, and I think that you can do that with, um, with a regionalized approach to, to, to scheduling. And, and again, I think Heather has done a terrific job in, in going that direction um, for Pitt specifically uh, since her arrival uh, four, four and a half years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, I don't know if it's next year or the year after, but um, we have, Cincinnati, Youngstown State, and Kent State, I believe it is, all in one year. And those are all uh, – not not a one of those is longer than a four-and-a-half-hour drive. So, uh, yep. you know, love love keeping it local and uh, allowing those Pitt fans to uh, to travel. Yeah, I mean, you know, Wisconsin's down the pike. That, that, that game's on the books. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, that's a – Camp Randall's a destination stadium to go to. Uh, I can remember our, our series at Iowa was a great one. Um, so there's games that make sense that that aren't maybe as historic, but you're, you're going to stick your flag in the ground with Pitt, West Virginia, and Pitt, Penn State. And again, uh, I don't know if we have to move heaven and earth, but trying to continue to chip away at getting that Pitt, Penn State game again is something that I know a lot of Pitt fans are passionate about. Well, they just don't really have any rivals. So like, why would they, you know, do such a thing? They're so unrivaled. Yeah. You're throwing the bait out there and I'm not going to take it. So <laughs> I, I touche is all I'll say. Well played. So we'll, we'll move on from there. Um, <laughs> so we, we just spoke with uh, your friend, Chris Bickle. Um, it's well known in, in pit circles that you're, you're really, you know, the, the guy for that relationship. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how, uh, from your perspective, you maintain relationships with these uh, big donors like Chris to uh, make them feel like they are getting a return on their very large and wonderful investments. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm very fortunate to get to work with you know folks like Chris, um, and to, you know I I don't view my job as much as asking for money as my job is to you know, connect and show how one can make an impact. You know, Chris has obviously done very well and, and made a significant investment uh, in the university and for football program. But, um, you know, my job was to show him that he could have that impact and to shepherd that process along and make sure it made sense not only for him, but for the university. Moving forward, it ended up being an unprecedented gift, both in scope and purpose. Um, but the key, the key is really getting, you know, getting them to, to know our coaches, our student athletes, understand that they're a part of this thing. Um, all of you guys are a part of this thing, you know, whatever role you play, we're, we're all a part of the pit kind of ecosystem. Um, you know, there's ways to have impact, whether it's shedding light and promoting our, our student athletes and personalities like you guys do, or contributing to the athletic department, whether it's $1 or a hundred million dollars, it's, it has an impact. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's no secret or, or no, I don't think it's a, um, by happenstance that, you know, he made that gift and we won the ACC championship. I, I think that, you know, I think everyone's empowered by that level of trust and faith, um, that someone would do that. 
And uh, he certainly went out on a ledge to do it. And obviously he's doing other things as well um, that help the program. And um, we're fortunate to have, you know, people like him. And there are, there are many. Um, and I know there are more out there. So if there, there are some that, if there are folks that watch this that, that are interested in, in giving back and supporting, you know, that we can share my contact information or slide me a DM. Yeah, and obviously Chris is, has kind of been the catalyst for, for that, but have you seen since, and we asked him a little bit, but did you see since Chris announced that donation that more people wanted to come forward and, you know, kind of step up to the plate? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, right, everybody has their, um, you know, back in the day it was the Golden Panthers, and I'm sure you guys have read about that. And, you know, we've had the Panther Club now in, in, in existence now for, for a couple of decades. But, you know, right, it was a, you know, it's different phases of life that lend you to, to be able to be truly philanthropic. And I think there was just a sense that, you know, if, if, if you weren't in a certain maybe class of, of people or that you weren't going to be a donor. And Chris is a 97 grad. Um, you know, he's younger. You know, he, he's certainly not as young as you guys and he's not as young as me, although he may look as young as me. Um, he, uh, you know, he was able to make an impact. I think it opened people's eyes. It, it raised people's sights. Um, into a way that they could, they could see themselves as a, as a donor. Um, and again, that's just, I think that's the way life works, right? It, there's stereotypes and templates, uh, but he kind of broke that a little bit. So did Aaron Donald as well as a former Panther, another uh, guy I got a chance to get really close to a teammate of mine, um, youngest, you know, seven figure donor in university history, um, you know, NFL player broke the mold. Um, so I think, that we've seen a lot of interest there, um, both in how that was done and, and, and certainly, you know, joining the team. And you know, I think with our implementation of the Scripps Society, which is our, our major giving society, which is, is become pretty mainstream. We've got over 115 members. Um, it, uh, we've gotten interest about that. So it's, you know, it's starting to, people start to raise their hands, which, which certainly makes, uh, makes our job a little bit easier. That's Awesome to hear from a fan perspective uh, that we're getting a little bit more uh, involvement in, in terms of uh, funding and uh, alumni support. Um, and, and Pitt is kind of in an unprecedented space right now where we are the best that the program has been in a significant amount of time. And, and this year, there's even been conversations about what does Pitt need to do to make college football playoff noise? Uh, so I, I guess my question to you would be how close is Pitt to um, larger, more well-funded programs um, in terms of, you know, getting that alumni support and what is the plan to continue to make that leap? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's one that, you know, I think Heather and our, our staff ponders every single day. Um, and we've seen success in a lot of sports that, that I think have raised sites. I mean, when I was starting off in employment, maybe when you guys were just in high school or getting into school, we hadn't won an ACC soccer game, period. We were over. And now we're the number two or number four team in the country. Our volleyball programs gone to the final four. But relative to football and, and certainly men's basketball, the two drivers of, of college sports, um, you know, I think it's relative, right? We don't have a 100,000-seat stadium um, that we fill on a regular basis, so our revenues look different. It, it, that's public record. You can, you can see that. However, you know, with Coach Narduzzi, I think we can we can be relatively certain that he's identified a formula to get a certain type of player here. And I would I would add that it's it's a 
it's been a growing level of player. Um, they've gotten them here. They love it here. The culture is good. And they've gotten those players to improve. Um, it's, it's not too dissimilar from the, the, I would say, the Jamie Dixon, Ben Howland model in men's basketball. Um, we, we've got to find a niche at Pitt because we're not the biggest, baddest guy on the block. Now, when you play us, we might be. But in terms of, of how we show up, you know, we, we have to identify, you know, that, that target market, if you will. Um, and, and from a recruiting standpoint, and then obviously from a funding standpoint, there's things you're constantly doing to try to improve. You know, we've put o- over $10 million into our practice facility in football since Pat Narduzzi arrived as head coach in 2015. Um, that is, that is paid dividends. Players feel like they have a home. Um, we've improved the student athlete experience. Their housing's better. There's things that you can do that elevate the experience for your current, your current players and student athletes that also pay forward to, to what recruits see when they come here. Um, I always use this one, and, and Coach Narduzzi will say it a lot. Their close rate when, when student-athletes visit, when recruits visit, is, is upwards of 80%. Um, so we've got something unique here to sell at the University of Pittsburgh. And I think, I think that same model projects across all of our, all of our sports. Um, and I think, you know, it, it just takes time, right? This is Pat Narduzzi He's going into his eighth season. Um, it hasn't been a linear growth. Um, but the foundation, it's stable. And I, I think we're starting to develop that in, uh, in other sports as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know, you know, a lot of what people talk about when they talk about Coach Narduzzi and, you know, kind of his tenure here is the culture that's built around the team and just the facility and the guys love playing for him. Um, what do you think, you know, from the time you were playing here back in the 2000, 2000s to now what do you think has been the biggest shift within the program is it is it the facilities is it a, a culture thing is there I'm sure there's a whole bunch of things that have changed over that time but what have you seen as the biggest difference yeah I think continuity is one of them you know I played for Dave Wonstadt and Dave had great relationships with us as players we we didn't have I mean transferring wasn't as in vogue then right we didn't have exodus to guys after seasons you could still transfer and, and sit out um you know, the facility, the, the, the economics, right, the, how things are financed is much different. I think a conference change had a lot to do with that, going to the ACC. I mean, we were, you know, the Big East budget is different than an ACC budget. It's just a reality of, of college athletics. But um, I think it's a couple things. I think one is the investment from the university. Um, and I, I give Chancellor Gallagher and certainly Heather a lot of credit there. Um, it's, it's faith in people and, and investing in people and giving them time. Um, and, and I think that's the case in Coach Narduzzi's um, situation and his support staff. He's got a lot of continuity on his staff. So former players know our coaches, current players know our coaches, recruits know our coaches from the time they're in eighth, ninth, tenth grade. Um, and that takes time to cycle through. Um, you just have to have the belief to, to stick with it, even when, when things don't look like they're taking a linear upward trajectory. You have to understand that, you know, you're, 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 you're building your success tomorrow, today, sometimes. Um, and now it's to a point now where it's going to be even harder to sustain it um, because we're as close to making a college football playoff as we are to being eight and five. The, the, the margins are razor thin. Um, and I, but I do believe that culture can overcome and gives you a, a heck of a lot more than a puncher's chance when you get into those critical games, which we were in a lot of them last season. 
what one thing you did mention earlier that I, I did want to circle back to, you said that we have an 80% hit rate when we get a recruit onto campus. Is, is that, is that uh, a metric that we have on file? Uh, it's, it's probably somewhat embellished, but it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's anecdotal, but I would say this, the challenge is to, uh, and I think, right. This, you can read on social media, um, the type of the, the talent that's been on campus the spring even. Um, and I think people are surprised when they come to Pittsburgh. The, uh, you see that in men's basketball, you see it in football, they're, they're surprised that it's not what they expect. Um, and when you get them to come to an official visit, particularly with our football staff in the last couple of Junes, um, there's just this magnetic effect. And they do a heck of a job building those, those official visits. And I guess coaches shared in multiple settings that they're, you know, it, transitioning someone from an unofficial visit to you know, Zoom visits, which you've had a bunch of calls to coming on campus, the, your percentage of, of closure just has just gone way up. And they're, you know, in the three, four stage percent range on guys that get to official visit, particularly guys that go to camp too. Um, but they, they just do a terrific job when they get them on campus. Yeah, I mean, anytime I walk into Oakland, I feel breath of fresh air. Uh, doesn't matter if it's eighty degrees it and sunny. Be fresh or... air. Yeah, it might not be fresh air, but it's our fresh air. It's our fresh air, exactly. <laughs> and if, I, I think if you're a certain kind of mold of kid, uh, you know that Oakland is appealing to you. I, I remember my buddy, our good buddy Cage Galupi. He was a former Pitt Cage, student. Yeah, you God. know Cage. Uh, Remember, he sent me a picture of like a telephone pole. It was like propped up on top of like another piece of wood in the middle of South Oakland. He's like, if a recruit sees this and it scares him away, I don't want him here. So yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got to have a certain type of character to come, come into you Oakland. Do. But, you do. Uh, you got to have a little grit to you. Exactly. That's the type of guys we want. Um, so the transition a little bit, you, you rub shoulders with a lot of, you know, important people around Pitt, um, a lot of legends, uh, Aaron Donald, you know, uh, around Pat Narduzzi, all these guys, but maybe the biggest legend is who you spend Saturdays next to. And that's uh, yeah. Bill, Bill Hillgrove. Uh, what's it like being around Bill, uh, announcing games with him and just like, just being around him? Um, I'm, I like pinch myself still because I mean, we know each other so well now that it's, it's, uh, it's hard to believe I've done it with a decade with him, but um, you know, like I can finish sentences and, he can, he knows when I'm done, done talking. And, but there's just, you know, last fall was fun because it was the first time I actually got to see us working together on video. There were some booth cams, which I'm, you know, starting a petition. I want to get that sponsored and have booth cams every single game. Um, not because I like to watch myself, but because like, I think those things have like a hundred thousand views or 120,000 views. The reactions are electric. I, I loved and, everyone. And I'm like, you know, almost punching people in the face and jumping out of the booth. And, um, but any, uh, anyway, um, he, uh, he is so good. His recall is unbelievable. You know, he, um, he can pull something from 1974 that reminds him of a play that just happened or a player or a style of, of player. He, he remembers, you know, anecdotes from, series you know game hope this West Virginia one I'm sure he's going to bring stuff up that I you know couldn't even read in the book um so that he's just a treasure trove of knowledge um he is even more fun to go to different cities with because people know who he is um 
you know, I, I think Rosie O'Brady's is the bar in New York City and Manhattan that everyone used to go to for the Big East tournament. And I think they have a seat reserved for him there. Um, like <laughs> they know who he is when he walks in. So, but just to, you know, like he had the one line in the ACC championship game when he said, this is fantastic. You've got to be here championship stuff. And it's just like, I, I mean, how do you, it, it's a party for Panthers after the pick by pick six by Hallett. I mean, like, those are lines. I, I mean, I don't have to say a word because it just comes. I'm getting chills talking about it. I was going like, to say, you're giving me chills right now. <laughs> it's just like, it's just only he can do it. And he has not lost his fastball. Um, you know, certainly he is a busy guy in the fall, you know, and then right into like November is when things he's doing, he's doing three teams. I remember we played Iowa in 2011. We were like way up. Their stadium was straight up. And uh, I was concerned. It was like my second year. I'm like, I hope he doesn't start calling them like the Steelers names because they <laughs> look just like him. Um, but the one story that I always tell that I, I think defines who he is, because, you know, being a play-by-play guy, especially on the radio, is hard. Um, it happens fast. It's theater of mind. You're telling people what's happening, but they don't see it typically. I know Pittsburgh TV is still a thing where they turn the TV volume down and listen to the, the broadcast. But um, – it was the first game I did, maybe second. And, uh, you know, he called with two tailbacks, Isaac Bennett and Malcolm Crockett, which were two backs in 2011. You guys probably don't remember this. I remember the play. And I think it was Bennett that scored. He called him Crockett. Um, and I told him during the break, I was like, hey, Billy, just FYI. Like, and he looked at me and I thought, he, like, he looked like a, like when your dad's mad at you. Like, hey, you've got to correct me on the air. The listener does not know. And I'm like, okay. I, I will, I pledge to you, I will correct you now from here, here moving forward. Um, but that to me shows the humility, right? That he wants to be right. He doesn't, he doesn't care if he looks quote unquote bad. He wants to, he wants the listener to know exactly what happened. Um, and I think that says, that says everything about the pro that he is. Probably not easy from your perspective to correct a legend like Bill Hillgrove. No, 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 it's not. I mean, I, I try to, I try to limit it, but. You know, I, I always harken back to that one. It's over 10 years ago, but I harken back to that one because to me it shows, you know, it's not all about him. And there's a lot of broadcasters where it's all about what they're saying and, you know, it's all about them. It, to him, it's about Pitt. It's about it's about the fans. And, um, again, it's, you know, if they go in and tell 10 – everything has like a, a webbed effect. If they go tell 10 people the Malcolm Crockett scored, then they don't know the right, the right information. So he's trying to get the right information to people in real time. That's what, uh, what makes him one of the best ever. No question. We wanted to, you know, towards the end here, uh, ask you a little bit about this upcoming season. Uh, I'm sure you have some particular insights as both media and a plant inside of the uh, Pitt Athletics organization. The spring game was about a, a week ago, and we touched on it very briefly uh, in, in the segments before this. Um, from your much more trained eye, is there – anything we should take away from the spring game as fans? I think so. Uh, I, you know, we did the, we did it on, uh, on the radio, more of a talk show style. And I, I remember just watching it. Our D line is really, really good. I mean, as good mm-hmm. as it's probably ever been, but they might not be as good as they looked in that spring game. Our, our offensive line was a little watered down. Um, there were about four guys out and they split them up. And we had a God love them walk-ons trying to block Kalijah Kansas. So uh, I just remember saying on the air, I'm like, this is not a fair fight. 
You know, our defensive line's 12 deep, 13 deep. Um, you know, they're going to, they're coming at them in droves. And uh, I would say that, you know, Keaton probably got the shorter end of the stick when it comes to the <laughs> offensive line. But um, no, I think, you know, Daniel Carter's had a great spring. Um, he hasn't, he's had a great spring, not as much running the ball as he has catching it and blocking as a fullback. And um, Pat Nardu, I mean, excuse me, Frank Signetti, who I played for, wants to utilize a fullback. Um, and I think he's found a little bit of a new toy in Daniel Carter. And I think that's a guy that, that they can implement. Um, you know, Shane Simon had a heck of a pick in that game. I think the linebacker position was great to see them make some plays. Bengali, Kamara. If you look at that defense, I think it's really strong in the front end on the defensive line. Need to replenish a little bit at linebacker. And that back end is really talented really talented and deeper than I thought, particularly at safety. Um, and then offensively, there's just, I think there was a contention um, that there was, the staff was content knowing that the spring was going to be, they were going to lag behind the defense. Um, they were going to try to reestablish some, some physical mentality running the ball um, because, you know, I, I don't think you can expect whether it's Keaton or Nick to beat Kenny Pickett to drop back 45 times a game and sling it around the yard. Um, I think this team can play a little bit more in balance and it's going to help them, you know, not only, I mean, Jordan Addison's the best receiver in the country. Um, if you're able to run the football, that can be as, that can be as helpful to Jordan Addison's chances of getting one-on-ones as having a very capable tight end or third or second receiver or third receiver. Um, the beauty is you have depth at receiver. So mm-hmm. if you can run it in hard play action and, take shots down the field and Jordan takes two guys. Well, Jared Wayne's really good. Mumfield is really good. Um, a really talented guy. You saw him play, make some plays and you still have Jalen Bart and Jalen Bradley. So, um, big Bart there, are, you know, Gavin Bartholomew. I think if I had to identify, you know, where the two spots, right. Linebacker and tight end, you got to have a little bit more depth at tight end, mm-hmm. um, with how they want to play, um, offensively. But I love where this team's at. I think it's, deeper maybe than a year ago. Um, the question will become, right, you know, how effective can that run game be? How, how quickly can they establish that mentality? I, I think Izzy could be a, honestly, a 1,500-yard back um, or better. Uh, Rodney's a good back. Vince is a good back. So, and I'm bullish on this team. And I think this defense in particular has a chance to be special. Pat, you sound pretty bullish on this season. Do you have any uh, big predictions you might want to make for uh, for the end result? Uh, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge prediction guy. I think, you know, I think obviously you saw the FPI that came out with top ten, and I I'm oh, we I'm saw in agreement it. there. I'm in agreement there. Um, I think the first two weeks obviously are critical. You know, you come out the gates and, and beat a rival and. Again, everyone says throw the records out. Well, there's no record. So it's a zero and zero, zero and zero. Um, It'd be pretty easy for them then. Another big game against Tennessee, and you, you win those two. And I mean, Tennessee was a battle last year. And and they're gonna want, you know, some sweet revenge and and they've reloaded. And I know they've got uh, you know, Coach Heipel down there has done a good job in recruiting. So that'll be another slug fest. And then you, know, you could be sitting square in the top ten uh, at that point in time. So you know, you look at the the coastal and the, the schedule, the crossover game with Louisville. Um, you know, I think the schedule obviously doesn't have Clemson on it, but Miami, you know, is is certainly up there their game in terms of their investment in their program and Van Dyke's a stud. Um, but the rest of the coastal's got new coaches, which is just crazy. Um, you have Virginia Tech, 
you know, certainly looking to rebuild Duke trying to get back to the, you know, being competitive. Um, Carolina didn't have the year they wanted and they lose Sam Howell. Um, you know, so it's Virginia still has Brandon Armstrong, mm-hmm. but what's, what's it going to be with Tony Elliott? How are they going to be offensively? Um, and how, how much how, is that defense going to improve? Uh, which was, was their kind of Achilles heel a year ago. So the way I see it, I mean, it's going to come down to that last game down in Coral Gables um, against Miami. I think that that is going to be a, a prime time game that has a chance to be a game day type of game. Um, and I think we'll be, you know, it'll say it'll, it'll determine who goes to Charlotte. That's the way I see it playing out. And um, I think we, we owe them. So look forward to, um, Look forward to getting there, but a lot, lot of work has to go into it. And this team needs to gel, right? New offensive coordinator, new pieces offensively. We'll see what happens in the summertime with regard to the portal and things like that. But, um, you know, I think this team's as deep as, as I've seen Pitt be. And this is about as confident as I feel in, in that going into a season. But, you know, things have to bounce your way, as you guys know. And, um uh, but but I think we're you know we're, we're doing a better job earning those bounces now than we maybe have in the past. Now you you mentioned um, your former offensive coordinator, uh, Coach Signetti, coming in. Uh, this being his first year, how much of a hindrance do you think that's going to be uh, with such lofty goals that Pitt has, having such a deep roster? Um, is do we have any reason for concern that uh, you know implementing a new offensive system might? in any way, shape, or form hamper our ceiling? Yeah, I, well, if it was a complete departure from the offensive philosophy that was used, utilized prior, I would be a little bit more concerned. This isn't, you know, the spread or a lot of the same pass concepts and run concepts are going to be carried over. I think there's obviously some some unique, uh, you know, things that, that Frank has done in his career that maybe Mark Whipple didn't utilize. Uh, but again, just on base, I think there's going to be a more emphasis on the run game, which I would say losing Kenny Pickett, you would accurately deduce that you got Izzy and Rodney coming back and Vince coming back. Your whole offensive line's back. Got a chance to be a little bit more balanced. Um, and I think regardless of whether a coordinator change is going to happen. Well, that happened, and I think you brought in an offensive coordinator that has experience running the football. Um, but he's also a guy that, that you know, got Zay Flowers to be an All-American at Boston College, knows how to get good players to football on the perimeter. Um, so I, I'm not concerned about it. You know, I'm about as concerned as you could be, you know, losing a first-team All-American quarterback, <laughs> which is um, – that's about as least concerned as you could possibly be. I think it's a, a pretty good situation, and Pat Narduzzi deserves a lot of credit for picking and you know, hiring a guy that is going to carry a lot over, but also will kind of get things back a little bit more in the center where I, I know – I think this offense is suited to be. Yeah, we know if it was up to Pat Narduzzi, they'd run the ball 60 times a game and uh, keep his defense off the field. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I give him credit. I think, you know, that, that team in 2018 that went to the title game, obviously couldn't, couldn't throw it much at times. Mm. Uh, it was Kenny's sophomore season threw it against Wake Forest. Like I'd never expected. Um, but in the, you know, just was so run focused and he realized that he needed to get that right. And, you know, uncorked it 50 times a game a year ago, um, and uh, it worked, 43 points a game. So, but I, I think you always have to be, you know, willing to adapt. And um, Pat Narduzzi, as, as 
as stubborn as, as uh, you know, I love him to be, you know, he, he has shown the willingness to adapt um, both to both towards or, or farther away from his ideals. And uh, I think that's what made, what's made him a successful head coach here. Well, I didn't think we could be more excited for this upcoming season, uh, but here I am even more ready to run through a wall than I was about 10 minutes ago. Uh, Pat, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really enjoyed getting to know a little bit more about your role and, uh, and your outlook on the, uh, on the season, as well as uh, some good insights into the old legend, uh, Bill Hillgrove. Thank you so much for joining us today and uh, hail to pit. Hail to pit guys. Appreciate you having me. Thank you, Chris Bickle and Pat Bostick, for joining us for this special two-for-one episode of The Loyal Sons Show. The Loyal Sons, follow us here anywhere you listen to your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Follow us on Twitter at The Loyal Sons for all the pit content you don't want to miss. Remember, we're only 136 days away from the Backyard Brawl. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe, follow us, and as always, hail Loyal Sons of Pittsburgh. Hands, touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you.